Hello, welcome back to Shop Talk with the Sheriff. I'm Sheriff Gregory Tony here at Broward County Sheriff's Office. Today, I'm excited to invite a very honorable guest to talk a little bit about another key department of our organization. Uh, today's guest is Lieutenant Colonel Josepha Benjamin, who heads up the Department of Detention. Uh, commonly, people would say the jail, but there are so many other moving parts and there's a great degree of professionalism required within that department. And I have to say, I'm super excited that she's here and it gives us a chance uh, to have her talk about what she is doing. Currently, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Benjamin is serving as our acting department director, and I'm excited to see her transition into that full-time capacity. She has been a member of the Broward Sheriff's Office for a couple years now, 28 years of service, 28 years of service. Started out, did a short tour, two years in communications, transitioned over to the Department of Detention, and has truly ran the gauntlet, as we say, making her way through the chain of command, being selected and promoted based on her merits, her capabilities, uh, and now she has a tremendous task in front of her to lead up one of our largest departments, one of our more publicly visible, in a sense of uh, public concern when it comes to the Department of Detention, the jail, and then also just the personnel. And then for those who are not familiar, her responsibility in terms of the budget that is afforded to her department, roughly $270 plus million is dedicated towards the Department of Detention. So what I'd like to do is take a moment and say, Colonel, welcome aboard. Tell the people about yourself. Thank you, sir. First and foremost, thank you, Sheriff Tony, for creating forums such as this, such as this podcast. It really gives the opportunity or the community, I should say, an opportunity to get to know us. And I think that that's important. So I really appreciate it. As you said, I started my career 28 years ago with this agency. And it may sound cliche, but I'm as proud to put on this uniform today as I was 28 years ago when starting the academy. So it's been quite a journey along the way. I've had the opportunity to be attached to positions or units such as the military training unit, uh, such as the leadership academy, sort of gravitated towards programs committed to juvenile offenders, which is my passion. We can talk about that later. So thank you again for having me today, sir. So let me get into this. You know, so often people hear the jail and they think of it as an independent site location that the Broward Sheriff's Office is responsible for. Can you tell us, tell us the community about exactly what uh, the, the amount of facilities you have and what each one of those facilities are responsible for, so to speak, because we're not just one structure. Isn't that right? Correct. We are actually four structures. We have four separate facilities. Our main jail facility actually houses our central intake. And I'll talk a bit about the booking process because that's important. That's where the journey begins for our offenders, for our detainees. They arrive with their own set of needs, situations, charges, levels of stress, uh, backgrounds, and we have to meet those needs during that intake process. That being said, I don't believe that the public has an appreciation for just how important that process is. The detainees go through a series of reviews, their charges, their history, their mental status, their physical status, just their state of mind, their well-being. Right. Pre-COVID, if that wasn't complicated enough, COVID added another level of the intake process, which is cohorting. 
And what we want to do during that process is to make sure that inmates are observed and quarantined prior to being deployed or transferred, I should say, into their appropriate housing location. And again, the battery of questions, the series of questions, that intake process is so important. We have a commitment to not only the inmates, their families, but the community to get that process right each and every time to keep them safe. So that, that's our central intake process. And if I can, I, I just want to add on to something that you, you were talking about when it comes to that intake process and how uh, more concerns have been compounded by COVID-19 and created more uh, policies and practices and protocols that you've been doing. You know, we've had uh, outside entities that has come in and evaluated uh, the performance and what you've been able to do inside the department. Uh, and you're not giving yourself any credit in the sense that there has been uh, a lot of applause and uh, comments made about how you've been able to help reduce the spread of COVID based on quarantine measures, isolation, and many others. And so I have to give you uh, great credit and kudos to that because in a time where this entire nation is facing this particular set of uh, concerns with jails and MA population and the spread of COVID-19, uh, we have done exceptionally well. Uh, not flawless, we're always looking to get better, but exceptionally well, and that's come under your leadership. You know, one of the things I would, I would remind the community um, or at least have you elaborate on is, you know, how many inmates come into that jail on an annual basis? When we're talking about booking, processing, housing, um, you know, removal, what are we looking at in a total figure? So when I mentioned getting it right each and every time is key, we do that an average of 50,000 times annually. Wow. So that's a big number. And, and we strive to that's a, that's a very big number. Uh, and, and, and you know better than most, if you get it wrong once, that's the number that matters the most is what you did not get right. Uh, but yeah, again, continue to get the things done in there. Can you tell us a little bit about the differences uh, amongst the four facilities, whether it be um, focal points for treatment, care, size? You know, what's going on, for example, at uh, North Broward? that's not going on or that may be different versus Paul Ryan um, or Conti? Certainly, I'll be glad to. So the four facilities, as I was explaining, central intake is housed at our main jail facility. Our main jail is our largest facility and primarily we house our max custody, our protective custody offenders, our most serious, more, more dangerous offenders in that facility. It's a linear uh, operation, however, as, or I should say, as opposed to the Paul Ryan and the Conti that you mentioned. Those are our direct supervision facilities. And what that means is the inmates or the deputy is in the unit with the inmates. There are no barriers. And that's where our IPC skills, and not to use acronyms, so I'll explain it to the public. That's where our interpersonal communication is gonna be key because they're right there in the unit with the inmates taking care of their needs, observing them, making sure that the unit is calm, that everyone has what they need in order to function in that environment. So that's the Joseph E. Conti and the Paul Ryan. The North Broward facility is our mental health facility. And in that particular area, we're gonna take a team approach to the inmates that we serve in that area. 
primarily those are our mental health inmates, again, that have been identified in our intake process. So they're going to flow to North Broward. Once, they're once they are identified and they're transferred to North Broward, again, that team approach is going to be a CIT, which is our crisis intervention certified deputies, our BSO mental health staff, in addition to our medical and mental health partners. So you just dove in, I'm sorry, Colonel, you just dove into my next kind of line of discussion point that I want to talk about. You know, you and I have shared a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations about the importance of reforming uh, not just the criminal justice system in general, but most certainly what's going on in the jails, where so many people who are incarcerated or come through your doors are suffering from mental health care issues, drug addictions, and many others. What are some of the things that you um, anticipate as being, you know, a roadblock as we're trying to change that paradigm? What are we doing for mental health care? What are we doing for substance abuse? And where are we headed? Where are we headed with those? Um, you started talking about CIT, and I want you to explain that a little bit more in detail because most people don't know about cri uh, crisis intervention training and how that helps your job, and most people don't understand about the drug addiction protocols and things uh, that take place inside of that jail on a frequent basis. I know it's one of your goals to ensure that uh, all of our deputies are CRT trained. And actually, ironically enough, in the past 20, 28 plus years, I have not taken CIT until recently, just a bit about a year ago. And what I wanted to do, it was important to me that I sat side by side with my line staff, with my line supervision, so shoulder to shoulder. I wanted to learn what they were learning. I wanted to see what they were seeing and I wanted to experience what they experienced all at the same time. So I turned off my phone for a week. Well, not really, but sort of, I tried to. I tried to turn <laughs> off the phone for a week. You tried to turn it off, but I probably called you. More than likely, sir, yes. <laughs> so I, I gave the instructors my undivided attention. I delved into to the subject matter. And I gotta say that was a week well spent. If nothing else, what CIT training will do for our staff and for our deputies, it's gonna provide a level of empathy that's needed when you're approaching someone with mental health. And that's really the goal. You mentioned roadblocks. So we're gonna to try to remove all the roadblocks when it, on, that we have under our control right. when it comes to the mental health population. Because of course we know the system is vast and we need all criminal justice partners to be on the same page. But the role that we serve, we're gonna make sure that those deputies are empathetic towards mental health inmates. We want them to see the inmate as a person and through an informed lens. So the CIT training, it takes you through various levels and depths of mental illness, sort of teaches you how to identify the causes, contributing factors, but more importantly, how to approach those individuals without any fear, without any judgment, but for the purpose of, of assisting and helping them and getting them to where they need to go. Now, in the process, there are cases when we may have uh, acute scenarios or issues in the jail. And mm -hmm. in, in those events, then we reach out to our external resources and that would be where our Baker Act team would come in. So we're not just looking um, at, at individuals that are coming in 
uh, in some type of vacuum and just saying, hey, they're all inmates, they're all cookie cutter, they're all bad, they all should just be uh, put into a cell and let's move on. Uh, from what you've been assessing and, and describing is important for this community to hear in that we have taken on a very responsible role in evaluating the people who are in our care, custody, and control and making sure that what we can provide to them in terms of services is at the forefront, whether it be mental health evaluation, substance abuse, et cetera. You know, we are on the path of progress with uh, many different ventures we're exploring. And you and I are, are going through some email correspondence and phone calls right now at evaluating what our partners have done down in Miami-Dade for years uh, and seeing if there's anything to that we can possibly do to mimic that. You want to talk a little bit about what we've seen in Miami uh, and what we're, you know, our review process is looking like right now? What Miami has in place already is similar to, to we're on the right track here in Broward County, but again, what it's going to take is a collaborative effort between all criminal justice uh, stakeholders. So not just the jail, not just the state attorney, not just the PD's office, but all. So for the most part, we, we have those systems in place similar to Miami. We just need to, to pull it all together, so to speak. So in lieu of, let's say, uh, competency evaluations, then we need, to, we need to look more to diversionary programs. We need to ensure that the resources are available to those mental health uh, those individuals that, are, that might be suffering or identified as suffering with mental health, um, more diversionary tactics rather than bringing them into our facility. And that's just not us uh, in a sense of the Department of Detention personnel, right? Oftentimes, you know, you're going back to the partnership. Law enforcement, we're the gatekeepers. The men and women in the field, who we bring in and who we keep out impacts your ability to safely and effectively do your job. Uh, so that's just part of an initiative that transcends Department of Detention and also impacts Department of Law Enforcement and every municipal here. And we're hoping to get them all in, at the discussion table with this. Technology-wise, well, you know, one of the things we've done well um, with the video visitation uh, program that's been embedded is to use technology to make sure we're mitigating the unnecessary face-to-face um, -face communication of family members, et cetera. You want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So uh, we built our offsite uh, visitation center and primarily well, one of the, the primary reasons for that was convenience for the family, but also on the security side, it deterred or increased, decreased, correction, decreased the level of contraband that was coming into our facility brought in by, you know, family members and, and visitors that were inclined to do so. But during this COVID, I tell you, this system has, has been a pivotal, has been a pivotal uh, forum in place or a pivotal, pivotal technology in place to help the, the criminal justice stakeholders that I mentioned previously operate. They, the system is being used by everyone from attorneys to parole, to probation, to medical evaluators, uh, just anyone that you can think of that touches the criminal justice system since COVID, the video visitation has been instrumental in just continuing to allow them to operate and moving the systems and the things that they need to do, moving it along. 
Um, I mentioned I mentioned just a bit ago that you know primarily it's for the it was for the decrease of a contraband into our facility, but also for the convenience of the family. A story comes to mind, and this blew me away. The supervisor at the visitation center said there was a, a gentleman that visited his son faithfully once a week. He drove down from Alabama wow. once a week to visit his son. That's how committed he was to, to seeing his son. So imagine our delight to be able to offer a remote visit that he didn't have to do that anymore and he could still see his son. So that's a great story. It shows the enhancements of technology and then also the ability of using technology to show compassion for people's issues and, and their loved ones. Uh, exactly. You know, we covered a lot today, but one of the things I want to share with the audience that I've gained from you uh, is your faith and being a God-fearing woman and how you've utilized that to serve this community. That uh, has been one of the more impressive things um, through beyond your intellect, beyond uh, your professionalism that I've grown to appreciate. And so I'm happy that you're here. I, I think you've done a tremendous job with this community, with the department. I look forward to seeing you continue to change the course and shift the department into a more progressive and fair and equitable uh, department over there. And you know, mo most certainly you'll have my support. So for those of you who joined during the tell in or in the between this, uh, I'm in conversation today with Lieutenant Colonel Benjamin, who leads up the Department of Detention, uh, has been employed with BSO for over 28 years and on track to become the first, I believe the first, a uh, woman to serve in a capacity of colonel for the Department of Detention. Uh, and she's the type to leave a mark behind so she wouldn't be uh, not only uh, the first, but she would make sure she wouldn't be the last. So I want to say thank you again, Colonel, for joining us. I want to say thank you for joining uh, to the entire audience uh, participating today. Thank you for joining me on Shop Talk with the Sheriff. Remember, you can follow me on Instagram at BSO Sheriff Tony. It's not a stunt double. It's actually me. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast uh, so that you get the alerts for every new episode. So in the meantime, stay safe, be humble, and love somebody a little bit more than you love yourself. I'm Sheriff Tony signing off.